This is the way to connect. I'm Gwyneth Jones. Psychedelics. What do you think when you hear that word? I first experimented with psychedelics three or four years ago. I know, shock horror. <laughs> and um, for me, it was a really amazing experience. Now, I'm going to start here by saying I'm not going to advocate the use of illegal drugs, obviously. But what I will tell you is that as a psychologist, as a coach, as someone who's very interested in mental states, states of consciousness, and in my own development, I had spent quite a while researching what exactly the effects of different psychedelics were on the brain. And it turns out that there's a wealth of research looking into the effects of psychedelics on states of consciousness. And in particular, there's more and more research suggesting that psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms and LSD, and MDMA, which is the active ingredient in ecstasy, can lower depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, and anxiety far more effectively in some cases than several months of therapy. Now, before you rush out to find your nearest dealer, obviously these are not findings to be taken lightly, and we have to look at all the variables, the methodology, contraindications, and you know there are definitely a lot of situations in which you should not take these substances as well, not to mention the legality surrounding them. Anyway, in my personal experience, I found that taking small doses where I still felt in control really let me explore my thinking from an almost outside objective perspective, and I was able to recognize these micro moments in my life where I had chosen to react emotionally to something in one way, but was aware at a deeper level that I didn't have to choose that reaction. I also saw really clearly for the first time how tiny moments in my life were defining my entire sense of identity, or at least how I was letting them define me. And through some really amazing and insightful conversations, I think I was able to gain a completely new understanding of the universe. <laughs> so, not to take that lightly. More and more recently, there have been conversations going on about psychedelics and coaching. And we're not talking about, let's take a bunch of drugs in the coaching room, but we're talking about, as coaches, let's be honest about the fact that some of our clients might be experimenting with these substances. And if they do, can we help them to integrate their experiences into their day-to-day -day life? And of course, there's a lot of questions around this, again, surrounding ethics, surrounding legality, and a lot of things that have not been answered fully yet. But there are several groups of coaches that are having these conversations now. One coach that I know who works with psychedelic integration and hopefully in the future psychedelic retreats is Rosie Peacock. I first met Rosie through a coaching and psychedelics interest group and we found out quickly that we shared a great interest in the potential benefits of psychedelics. And the interview that I recorded took place a few months ago, so before COVID, before lockdown, and at the time of the interview we were both very keen that we would be putting on a psychedelics retreat in the next few months. Unfortunately, right now, we are in limbo, waiting to see what happens in the next few months, but we are still hoping that this will take place at some point. <laughs> so keep in mind during the interview that when we talk about this retreat, and we say it's happening in a few months, we don't know when it's going to happen. Nevertheless, I interviewed business, mindset, and psychedelic coach Rosie Peacock about her personal experience with psychedelics and the potential benefits that she sees for humankind and for coaching and for mental health as a whole. So here is Rosie Peacock.
I am a psychedelic integration coach. I research psychedelics, but I'm also a business and mindset coach. So my work is about bringing together all of my different passions. A lot of what I've been looking into is the positive psychology benefits um, and the coaching benefits of working with psychedelics. Um, I've also got a background in yoga and meditation teaching, so I look at the holistic integration with the work with psychedelics. Um, and then also um, obviously have my other stuff that I do for, for work with the business and mindset coaching. So I've got a few different um, avenues that I work in relating to psychedelics. I offer psychedelic integration coaching. I lead psychedelic mastermind retreats. Well, we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Um, and I'm currently working on a book at the moment as well, which is um, writing about business and psychedelics and how some of the best creative ideas and collaborations have come from, come from the use of psychedelics and people's uh, personal stories on that. So that's who I am. Wow, cool. Well, there's a lot of things there to, to start talking about. Um, firstly, I, you know, obviously I know because I also studied, but a lot of people often ask me, what's positive psychology? So do you want to give a little background to that and how it connects to psychedelics? Sure, absolutely. So positive psychology, I like to picture it like a scale with mental health. So you have from like minus 10 to naught, is your kind of clinical scale, which most people think of when they think of psychology, which is fixing the things that are wrong with you. You're thinking anxiety, depression, any of the disorders in the DSMIV, that's the minus 10 to zero. Now, positive psychology bases you from the zero to the plus 10. And coaching works within the same realm as well. So it's this idea of what are our strengths? What are our abilities to improve? How do we set goals? How do people who are excelling in sports and zones of genius and excelling well in business how do these people do really well and are really successful and how can we recreate that and learn from that in order to make that available to everybody um, it's also it talks a lot about well-being and how people can not only be successful but also be a version of themselves that is really well in terms of their physical and mental health a lot of the um, research that first came out into psychedelics was based in the clinical sphere and what we usually find with psychology research is it's prioritised as much more important to look at fixing the bad than it is to look at pursuing what's already working well. And because we're naturally like problem solvers as a, as a human race, I think that that's something that's very um, typical. What I've been looking at is, firstly, I started by looking at the clinical research. So the stuff that was coming up, there was things like depression trials, um, anxiety trials, PTSD trials, addiction trials, which were all using different forms of psychedelics. So you've got things like ketamine, you've got things like magic mushrooms, which is psilocybin in the format that they would be used in the trials. You've got things like LSD, you've even got things like MDMA, which is considered to be a psychedelic within the lab-based setting based on what it does for you. And the thing that brings all of these chemicals together is the way that they affect the mind and the brain. And so what was coming out in the trials was not only was it getting people back from minus 10 or somewhere on this negative scale to zero, it was actually helping them get quite a lot further into their personal and spiritual development as well. And people were coming away with some of the experiences that people go to yoga for. People were coming away with some of the experiences they were going to deep, deep levels of meditation for, which is this idea of transcending their ego, of becoming much more connected to mother nature, to their true purpose. And so these type of things were coming out and I was really fascinated because I came to positive psychology from a background in yoga and meditation. And I was just thinking, wow, what incredible potential is here. So I started to look a little bit more into the neuroscience on it because I wanted to understand why. And for me, that was when it really started to click that this was a very, very special category of substances because when we have our mind as it normally is, um, it works within a certain network called the default mode network. We revisit the same places, the same patterns, the same things that we've built up over time. And just as if you went to the gym and worked the same muscle groups again and again, they would become stronger and they would be more used so the body would put more energy into them. The brain is exactly the same. So there's a process called myelination and it's a fancy word for saying insulating the pathways that are used used a lot in the brain and so when you have your mind that you are thinking with a lot of the time and your thought processes about driving to work and the route that you drive to work every single time you do that a little bit more myelination is added 
And so the most incredible thing happens when you take psychedelics, which is that it melts away some of the myelination. And on top of that, it takes all the different brain areas that you have. And instead of connecting them in the normal way and the normal format, it allows you to light up the different areas of your brain. And this interconnectivity happens between the different areas of memory, of sound, of thought, of, of color, of sensation, and all of these start to blend together. And so this does incredible things for you. It allows you to get out of thought loops. It allows you to break out of habit cycles. So when we started to look at the research into things like breaking out of addictions uh, or breaking out of negative thought cycles that would come up as the causes of anxiety and depression it was so powerful in the way that it got straight to the root cause the other thing that happens is that it allows your subconscious and your conscious the feelings that you have underlying things and the reasons that you do things to come up and to meet with the conscious working mind so that you can actually process them and so this can allow things like trauma which is caught in the body as well as the other things that you might have suppressed as things um, that have built up through your life that you haven't emotionally connected with because it wasn't right at the time it allows you to deal with that holistically and work through them now what it can also do when you've taken it from this clinical realm is to look at these other areas that are benefited by this so some of the trends in positive psychology are looking at creativity uh, looking at connection so that might be human connection between humans and intimacy and the way that you understand and empathize with people and have compassion but it might also be the way you feel towards yourself and that connectedness to self the other thing is connectedness to nature a real appreciation for the mother earth and so these three things were three of the most exciting elements of the research alongside this kind of like experimental process of figuring out who you are without necessarily being your human self so this idea of ego death that keeps coming up time and time again in a lot of the kind of more eastern um, philosophies and and spiritual traditions so when you have a look at this potentiality what was exciting me as a business and mindset coach was wow imagine if some of the leaders of huge organizations and and you know wanting to move towards more sustainability were able to access more creativity more connection to themselves and their teams and on top of that a greater focus and connection and like appreciation for nature as as a whole and so i started to think about wow that is an incredibly powerful tool within that context but unfortunately, the bit that I haven't mentioned is that in a lot of countries, it's not strictly legal to work with. So one of the things that I started to look into was why the legislation was the way it was, what's happened in the past 10 years around research that's unblocked that, and why it is in some cases, you know, in some countries it's a class A substance, in some it's entirely decriminalized or not illegal at all um, and in some it's uh, allowed in a ceremonial and religious context but not in a recreational context which to me sits right as the right way of doing it but um, I'm not somebody who can at this point in my life sit there and tell the government this so when I started to think about these ideas and how to bring them into the world I obviously came across a lot of hurdles and and was like oh okay this is a lot harder than I thought it was gonna be yeah unfortunately right we are not yet at the place where we can just open up a sort of psychedelic experience retreat anywhere we want but I love that you say this because for me in my coaching uh, what I consistently come back to is these three sort of pillars of connection right connection to self to each other and to nature and this was before I even discovered psychedelics as well so um, yeah, so so I'm imagining some people now are listening and going, whoa, whoa, hold on, we're going very fast here. Um, yeah, so I want to ask about your personal experience with psychedelics, if we can talk about that. <laughs> so my personal journey with psychedelics wasn't as wholesome and holistic as I would like to tell you it was. I would love to say I found out about the research and then, you know, my personal journey began and I went to a very legal place and did it in that way. But I would be telling you lies. <laughs> 
So I grew up in Norfolk in the UK and um, it was renowned during my teenage years that there were certain spots you could go to in the forest to find some mushrooms. And so me and my friends, when it would turn to October time, would go out to the forest and would gather mushrooms. And then we would go through the process of taking them home and drying them. And when it would come to around fireworks night, bonfire night kind of time, that would be when they'd be about dry. And so I remember for several years in my late teens having very memorable bonfire parties put it that way and it wasn't from a place of spirituality and it certainly wasn't from a place of research necessarily but it doesn't stop any of those benefits from happening for me and so part of what I experienced during these times of exploring it from what I would consider to be a slightly more recreational setting was that for me, it really connected me to nature and in a very deep way that I never had experienced before. And that it brought to the surface sometimes things that I hadn't thought that I needed to process, but they always knew more than I did. And so um, what I think a lot of people are prone to consider to be a bad trip is often they're meeting their subconscious mind without being in the right set and setting to do that and without the right dosage and the right support to do that. So entering into it thinking, this is gonna be fun, we're gonna have a fireworks night. And then actually meeting up with a shit ton of trauma is actually gonna be really hard for someone, especially who's 16 and like surrounded by a load of 16 year olds who are tripping their nut. Coming back to it later in, in my life, so I had um, a little bit of time when I went on my yoga journey when I really felt like a lot of my growth was coming from the inside and I was um, I was completely sober during that time so I wasn't drinking or doing any of those things anyway. And so um, I naturally felt like those um, substances weren't as important in my internal and spiritual journey. And if anything, I had probably what I would consider now to be a little bit of a... Um, spiritual uh, judgment of my prior self and just thought, oh, I was so unawakened. You know, I was like trying to find um, enlightenment in all the wrong places. And I had this kind of quite um, simplistic view that drugs are bad and um, wellness is good. And I'm not saying that all drugs are good and I'm certainly not saying that wellness doesn't have its own benefits. But having come back to it later and gone a bit deeper into different forms of, um, of using uh, different tools, I think there are definitely ways that you can integrate the two together. And so my first bit of my journey as a more of a, a grown up with the substances and treating them with more respect um, came to me after starting to do some of this research and starting to put it from the category of drugs are bad into this category of, okay, I can see this real healing potential here. And because I never gave it that opportunity initially, I really wanted to go somewhere where it was going to be a, a healing ceremonial experience. So I went on a psychedelic retreat and during that time we had ceremonial mushrooms and that's psilocybin um and we drank it in tea that was blessed and and there was reiki on the like on the substances that were consumed and we honored the plant and we allowed the plant to do the work that it did for us and approaching it like that brought me so much more than i could have ever imagined and that first retreat really for me brought all of the things that I have then later wanted to bring to other people. And it was that connection, you know, those three levels of connection, the internal, the people, the nature, those three elements of that just raced through every area of my life. I did a lot of, it's gonna sound super whack, but like ancestral healing. Like I felt like I could explore different areas of tension in my body and knew some of them weren't even my own trauma that was stored there. You know, my parents had trauma that was created into my body. Their parents had trauma that was created into their body, which was then created into mine. And it sounds so strange to put it into words like this, but honestly, it felt like I was liberating myself from not only my own lifetime's worth, but, but way, way, way beyond that. And so once I had realized that this wasn't even just a tool for this level of you know clinical improvement it was like something that was transcendent like utterly 
um, beyond what this world of knowing consciousness to be, I don't feel like we have any real concept of what consciousness is after having this experience. Um, and so from that point, I started to think about a journey moving forwards for myself. And so I wanted to try ayahuasca and I felt like that was the, my next stage and my next calling. And so I went to visit Mother Aya in a ceremony and that really was quite well-blowing as well. Um, and it brought to me a lot of um, stuff that I thought that I dealt with that I hadn't. And I started to realize that psychedelics are like this spiral of understanding where like you think you've learned the first layers and then you come back to the same problems but from a different perspective and then you find them again from a different perspective and it's this like seeing the layers of knowing that have been absolutely transformational for the way that I operate my life run my businesses and and also what I've decided to do with my life going forwards I came back to the UK and um, a few months after that, I had a mushroom retreat and the mushroom said to me, I know this again, <laughs> disclaimer, it sounds a bit crazy, but it's the experience that I felt that the mushrooms had called me to, to do this work. And they, they told me that I was here in order to share this connection and that I was the person that they'd chosen. And they said, everybody in this world is equal. And humans are obsessed with this weird hierarchy, but there isn't. You're all spores of the exact same thing. And if you go to find other spores and get them together to heal the earth, you can actually make a ginormous change to your whole body of humanity's relationship with your mother. And you can make some real healing happen. And the vessel that you, for you is chosen is through business and I was just like what the <laughs> how do I do that I mean so the mushrooms essentially told me find the most influential people that you know bring them together get them to experience psilocybin and save the world and I was just like oh yeah <laughs> easy easy peasy um especially since in a lot of countries it's completely illegal so this was for me I was like this is putting my professional self on a line massively because this was something I massively did in my like leisure time and alone time. And although I was going to conferences and stuff on it, I really kept this part of me compartmentalized. And then I had my super like, you know, separate part, which was, you know, business coaching for online businesses. And I was, th I just thought never the twain shall meet. And then after that experience, I was summoned and I came away from it feeling overwhelmed I wanted integration myself because I didn't really know even where to start. And it brought up a lot of my own feelings of like not worthiness enough to like, how could I reach out to somebody who I had always thought was incredible, who'd written books or, you know, who had done whatever it was in their own field or built incredible businesses? Who was I to be the person to reach out to them and to offer them something? And so I thought to myself, I'm going to find my own integration coach. And I approached um, a person who was actually somebody I'd been working with before and I think has been on your podcast as well. So Yannick Jacobs is my, um, is my coaching supervisor and we put on many hats in the different forms that we work together. And so working with Yannick provided this really safe space for me to explore what that might look like and how I might go about bringing this idea out into the world in a way that felt really in alignment and true to the initial calling. Like I didn't want to make it super commercialized. I didn't want it to be like, oh, everybody can come along. I wanted it to be a, a process and a journey that was invitation only because I wanted it to be the people who were called to come and, and it to be this this idea and awakening and as soon as I started to get these cogs moving and this journey started to even flow just into the idea and vocal form I started to realize that it was a beacon to bring people together and actually that's where our part of the journey comes in isn't it really um I had the privilege of being part of Yannick's coaching and psychedelics group on Facebook and although we'd briefly kind of connected before 
it hadn't been like a fully fledged kind of this is what we're going to do together and as soon as I put it out there that that was my intention that I wanted to run this mastermind retreat and I'd found somewhere in the Netherlands um that would have been able to put it out there essentially in a in a legal and safe way and and allow us to come along as coaching psychologists and as um, trained therapists in order to facilitate an experience and had noticed that other places such as the psychedelic society in the UK were already leading these things and so I kind of took their inspiration and their lead and thought about how I could do that in a context that was also a business mastermind a place to reflect on how we can use that creativity that sustainability that eco business feel that positive impact through business and alignment um, that we can also take away from it and so you reached out to me and you said, oh my God, I'm so excited by this. Let's let's get to talking about it. And so we met up on Zoom, not too uh, different from this meeting now, but I shared with you all of my ideas and it was still kind of very baby stages. And I was a bit like, oh God, I hope she doesn't think that I'm completely unprofessional. And we vibed about it and it was a really, really brilliant conversation. And I came away being like, wow, we needed to bring this into the world together. And um, for all who don't really know me and who do do or don't know Gwyneth, um, she's very organized and it's certainly not my forte. So as soon as I'd found somebody who was happy to put together spreadsheets and, and do all the kind of logistical side of things, I was like, hallelujah, somebody is going to do all of the parts that I feel really, really are not my, my forte. Now, my forte is certainly to do with things like big ideas, marketing, um, being the bold person to reach out to people and and get things kind of moving in that direction so we came together as these two counterparts and we have started to really work on some incredible ideas for the retreat yeah and yeah you've got the marketing skills that I <laughs> do not have so it works well it does I I do enjoy spreadsheets whether that's weird or not <laughs> but yeah yeah and and this is for me too a sort of moment of you know let's say coming out of the psychedelic closet right because it is scary it's like you put your business on the line you maybe risk that people in your circle of friends and family will suddenly go oh yeah some kind of drug pusher you know it's quite scary so how have you found like people's general reaction to you talking about this do you know it's so funny it's not at all what I imagined it to be and has been like a beacon to bring out other people who've been through that experience themselves and from how many people like seriously the massive amounts of numbers of people who were saying oh my god something like this happened to me I started my company because of psychedelics or all of my branding is based on a trip that I had like these were coming out in the bucket loads I must say that I can't even think of the number off the top of my head but it's like over 50 people have reached out to me in the last six months and told me something of their personal experience and even if they haven't had a business their personal experience of how psychedelics have transform their life and they started to realize how big the closet is and how many of us are hiding in there because literally it is a such a huge closet um probably like everyone right? yeah totally and i think that's the thing is like we think everyone's gonna judge but actually if the people have judged they've done so very quietly and i haven't noticed um and if people have been if if anything if they've not known about it they've been very intrigued because i come to it from a place of real research and internal knowing and experience so it's not like i come to it and i just go oh yeah i just love to take acid on the weekends it's like i've spent a long time really getting to know the nitty-gritty of what's going on in these clinical trials what's going on in the research that's being done what's going on in the neuroscience so that when when people are coming to me and saying well why does it work it's not like astrology where you just go yeah but you know you're Gemini so it kind of works it's like this idea that actually there's a load of really backed up science for it and you're starting to see now in the world things like Gwyneth Paltrow's goop where it's actually becoming slightly more and more mainstream and I know maybe Gwyneth isn't maybe the face of psychedelics we might have all wanted but when we're starting to look there was like this time in the 60s when there was people like Alan Watts, Timothy Leary, uh, Ram Dass and incredible philosophers who were taking on these ideas in psych with psychedelics 
And then there was this huge repression and it was illegalized and there was just nobody really talking about it. And now the people who are emerging talking about it, people like Robin Carhart Harris, who is the lead of the uh, Imperial College, who's doing incredible amounts of research into the potentials of psychedelics. Um, And you've got a lot of people who are coming out into it now, like Michael Pollins and people who are starting to approach it from a much more... um, academic perspective and I think that's what we needed we really needed to have some sort of verification that this isn't just you know a load of kids in the 60s tripping on acid for fun like there is real um healing and positive psychological potential that could benefit in many 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 areas of life yeah definitely I mean I went to this um insight conference in Berlin last year where you know they've got this entire um, mind, I think it's the multi, oh no, I've forgotten the name now, <laughs> interdisciplinary, you know, research on psychedelics. And yeah, they've got these programs, right, where they train um, therapists in using psychedelics for healing. And I spoke to some therapists who'd been through that as well, and they loved it. And, you know, they told me that they used other uh, therapy modalities in conjunction with it. So it wasn't just here's some drugs, go, right? It's a lot of different things together. Uh, But also, you know, you had what you don't imagine when you think of psychedelics, a lot of, you know, people in business suits with very nice slides and graphs showing all of this research that time and time again shows things like, yeah, one trip on psilocybin can have the same effect as, I don't know, 12 months of therapy, right, for depression and so many other things. And that's the crazy thing is that like, so there's many different formats of it being taken at the moment. So you've got people who are microdosing and that was a big thing in Silicon Valley that emerged like six or seven years ago. All the people who are topping companies like Google and, uh, you know, LinkedIn and all these kind of big Silicon Valley based um, tech companies were, you know, people were biohacking with all different types of things and, and mushrooms and acid were just some of these things that people were trying as a way of unblocking creativity and human potential. And so that was something that really started the ball rolling in terms of it moving out of just a clinical space. Um, And I think, yes, ceremonially, it is important if you're going into larger doses to set aside a ceremonial time and space. But it just goes to show that even in these kind of sub-perceptual doses, you are able to get these incredible benefits to some extent and, and that those can be applicable, as you said, to people in suits, people in very different walks of life who may not have ever expected themselves to be the type of person to kind of sit around a campfire with someone strumming along and them all kind of tripping balls it's a very different scenario when you're using it as a kind of biohacking tool as much as uh, a tool for internal investigation of consciousness so um i want to ask though what you think about this uh, a lot of people have criticized the idea of using psychedelics for business enhancement and promotion right because they've kind of said well when I take psychedelics I sort of realize how meaningless the entire idea of making money is or capitalism is so what do we say (laughs) to that well for me I see business has a potential to be a spiritual practice as much as anything For, for me spirituality is about your pure potentiality your limitlessness and your ability to create in the world and that is your kind of highest potential your highest self and so if you can channel yourself into a business that is in complete alignment with who you are your values and your core strengths then, you know, even as you scale and grow a company to having not just one of you, but hundreds, maybe thousands of people working towards a vision, for me, that's an incredibly powerful tool of human potential. And so I think it's like, yes, formal business, the way it was done when it was trampling people and it wasn't a spiritual practice, I think, yes, there is some disconnect between just using it as a way to rape the resources and make more money. But if you are using it as a way of bringing businesses into deeper spiritual alignment, into building a way of businesses as a spiritual practice and as a as a way of force of good in the world, because money is in itself isn't inherently evil and neither is capitalism. There's a whole amazing book called Conscious Capitalism and I'll send you through the um, author later, I can't think of it on the top of my head. But um, 
this book on conscious capitalism basically says the more money we have the more power we have to create change and if we're going into our business wanting sustainable businesses wanting a business that honors the earth and wanting a business where we reinvest back money into foundations and charity giving and we create a space where people want to work there and they are honored and paid in a brilliantly well way and their 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 personal development and spiritual development is part of their work life then that is the business of the future. And it's a very, very sustainable way of running a company. And it's starting to resonate more and more with people of generation X, with millennials, with people who are emerging and coming into business now. That old white men in suits telling people what to do and doing it for minimum wage is gonna be a thing of the past soon. We are moving towards a world where our vibration as a world is raising higher. And the people that I work with at the moment all of my clients come to me with soul-centered businesses. So I know that it's a thing. A lot of the retreats that I go on have entrepreneurs who have incredibly large companies that are doing amazing things in the world. And that does exist out there. It's unfortunate that there's big corporations out there that are very unconscious and that are definitely operating in a way that doesn't respect the earth, that doesn't respect the people that work for them and that doesn't honor the connection even with themselves. You know, if you have to go into a workplace and you have to hide behind a suit and a persona and a kind regards email then you're probably not in a space where you're going to be feeling as good about yourself as you could and it's probably not even as good for your well-being so I feel like yes in certain contexts you don't need the mushrooms you need to sort out your business etiquette and ethics first but if you're already at a place where business is for you working in a way that feels completely in alignment with yourself and with your company and the values, then I think it can be such an incredible tool to deepen your creativity, your team's connection, your connection and honoring of nature, and also just your understanding of what it's all about. Because as you said, money is completely pointless unless you're using it for healing, growth, good, development, and and making a, a raising of consciousness. So for those people who might um, be afraid (laughs) of taking psychedelics, I think we should also mention what could be some of the downsides. And especially, right, we've talked about the importance of integration. And I definitely feel that without having proper, careful integration of that into your everyday experience, it can just be a very kind of confusing, overwhelming experience, right? Totally. Um, I don't think psychedelics are for everyone. I really don't. I think that you have to be in a mentally okay enough space to go into it with the awareness of being able to go deep with yourself. And so for example, if you have something like schizophrenia or if you have even tendencies or a family history of having psychosis or any drug-induced psychosis or things from weed affecting you badly, I would just say, do you know what? Don't, don't go there because that the risk of, of never coming back is really high in, in those very, very, very small but select category of people. I'm sure there are other medical conditions that I would probably not try it on and things like epilepsy come up for me thinking about from a biological perspective but I'm not a medical doctor and certainly wouldn't advise you to take it if you've got any condition that you would be worried about there's three main factors that you need to consider before you go into any experience and there's a few factors that you need to consider coming out so the dosage So how much of the substance you're taking, what substance it is, and whether your body has ever taken anything like that before is gonna massively affect your experience. Your mindset, so your mindset might be um, in terms of like depression, anxiety, mental health stuff. If you're working with somebody, you need to tell them before you sign up for that kind of experience, like going into it without that level of um, exposure and awareness is just gonna mean that you are gonna end up having a time that's not not going to be helpful for you so having this space where your mindset is is right and prepared for it and then the final one is setting and so that's who you're around what the lighting is like I like to make sure that there's natural lighting at all times with my experiences I think it's important to be as connected to nature as you are Um, and even in your physical body like before you do it I think plant-based diet for at least two weeks beforehand is really important in terms of not having toxins and things in your body that you don't want to tune into if you've got um, you know the hormones from the animals that you've eaten and they've been afraid at death the light 
likelihood is that's going to come out in your trip because you become super sensitive to everything that you've experienced. So having this setting um, up of the body for it, not drinking um, beforehand, so not drinking alcohol, I mean by that, having plenty of hydration, also working through your body in terms of cardio. So having either a walk directly beforehand and having some form of like practice where you've done some breath work, some meditation, all of these types of things together combine to make sure that you're releasing the right levels of brain chemicals, that you're going to feel safe and that you're going to feel secure so that when you're in the actual experience yourself, what's coming up for you is what needs to come up rather than just processing your kind of entry level toxins. Um, The other part is then the integration. So as you've prepared for it and then you've had the experience, you might come out of it and everything's changed for you. And that can be really, really hard to integrate coming back into your normal everyday life. Um, And that's something that I found for myself and was why I went into researching it. Because ultimately, if you've gone through a transformational experience and you go back to your partner or your workplace and they think of you as this static person that hasn't changed, you then have this weird kind of... Um, interaction with people whereby they still think you're that version of you and you have actually quantum leaped in the way that you think and the way that you are and that can be really jarring for you and especially when you're used to having those people as people who you're very connected to like your partner that can start to feel really difficult and I've seen people who've come back from ayahuasca retreats who've basically dealt with addiction in in two sessions of of this in in a kind of 48 hour period they've gone back and their partner still treats them really suspiciously and thinks oh that's not possible and you know when are you just going to drink again and like looking through all their cupboards to make sure that they haven't got stuff and you know experiences like that are very common also experiences when you come back and you realize you've been living yourself a lie and you can't hide that information from yourself anymore so perhaps you've got really bad relationship problems that you've been denying for a while or perhaps you don't actually really like your job at all and it doesn't serve you but you don't really know what to do about it the thing is when you open yourself up to discovery and to find out those things you have to process them you can't just put them back in the box because you get this like gut-wrenching feeling of like I need to do something different so this is where integration coaching is a really really helpful tool or integration therapy so it might be that traumas come up past trauma and things that you don't really quite know how to heal or to process Um, and so in the kind of more clinical side of things having um, there's like integration therapy circles there's um, online integration therapists and online integration coaches depending on kind of what scale and spectrum of of what you want to work on is um Also, there's other tools for integration which are more holistic. So things like having a yoga practice to stop the kind of level of trauma coming back into your body again. Having a regular breath work and meditation practice to keep those levels of um, neuroplasticity in your brain so that you can continue to have these benefits of breaking out of cycles. These are ways to keep the feeling of this afterglow of this kind of new you. And one of my clients described it to me the other day and I just loved this metaphor. He said, I went into my ayahuasca retreat and it was like I had 50 tabs open in my brain and ayahuasca went and she shut the whole goddamn browser and she showed me something completely different and when I opened it I was just that present one single tab that was open and I didn't have to worry about all those other ones and it was like it had literally hit the restart or the refresh button on my whole mindset and that can be such a powerful thing to go through But ultimately, it's then your responsibility to hit the refresh button when you start to open two or three tabs. You can't then open another 50 and think that you're just going to take ayahuasca every time. You've got to then use that new starting point as a space to create other ways to get you to that point of inner peace, inner calm, knowing yourself and and exploration of consciousness. So (laughs) what about the retreat that we are planning. So it is a process of all of those things I just spoke about. Um, It's a really, really exciting retreat. So I'm known as a bougie bitch. (laughs) And so I decided I'm not just gonna bring everyone who's the best people that I, I want in the world to be there for it to just be mediocre so I hired a private island (laughs) 
as you do. And it's full of yurts. It's got a beautiful forest. Um, it's surrounded by water. So it's a completely safe but discreet and legal space where people can come to, be very connected to nature. It's all teepees and um, like natural ways of sleeping in this kind of glamping style. But we're going to decorate it beautifully so that the setting is just perfect for it. Um, the initial day we're going to arrive, uh, we'll arrive into Amsterdam and people will be taken to places where they can gather any tools that they might want to bring with them for their journeying. And then once we arrive on the site, we will be able to kind of settle in, have a sharing circle, get to know one another, and then start to um, have a cacao ceremony, which is our first kind of use of tools and start a heart opening process. So cacao is a, an incredible facilitator for opening your heart chakra. And so we're going to in, initiate our journey with this opening of ourselves, sharing of ourselves, and then starting to basically um, set out a plan for the next kind of how, however long it is that we're going to spend together, I think is three more days after that. So then we um, on the second day, we'll wake up in the morning. We've got a psychedelic food journey coach to come and she can help prepare your body for the psychedelic food that you're going to have. But also she has her own ways of bringing out those properties within your own body as well. So that we're getting our whole body and physicality on board for this. So that when we have our ceremony in the kind of middle of the day to the afternoon, while it's still beautiful and light, um, we're going to take the ceremony, um, which is about six six hours set aside for that um, and then follow that by integration work and again more grounding food by our psychedelic integration coach in the evening um what the ceremony actually looks like is there's two options there's an option to go very much inwards and in one of the tents there will be um, a shaman and a clinical psychologist as well as a coaching psychologist and um, music will be on and you'll be, be presented with eye patches and it will be a laid down setting where it's completely an inward journey and probably quite therapeutic and healing um, another of the spaces will be a one where it will be more open for conversation and creativity and collaboration and, and more intimacy so that there's these two options depending on how you're feeling and how your journey feels like it needs to go because I don't want to be overly prescriptive with it and that one's also facilitated by two coaching psychologists as well so that both of these experiences will have people there who know exactly what they're doing. The next day is when things start to get really integrative. We integrate through yoga, through meditation, through journaling and through integration coaching in the morning. And then in the afternoon, we start to um, look at the mastermind experience that we can have and how we can start to bring this into the ideas of business. The final day is a closing ceremony and then we'll be um, filming a TED style talk where each person can talk a little bit about conscious business and then we'll have these beautiful videos and memories to kind of share and also share these ideas of conscious business so that we can really start a movement as a result of the journeys that we've been on and the connections that we've shared and the creativity that's emerged. Yeah, and just to add, it's a bit different from a lot of the psychedelic retreat um, space that exists in the Netherlands, right? Because I think a lot of them kind of focus on healing your trauma or working through, well, as we've said before, we're looking maybe more at the positive psychology side of things. Yeah, I think that when I was looking for them, I was looking for this retreat myself, for myself, before I'd made it, and I couldn't find anything like it. And so when I started to think about why, I think because it's easily acceptable as a healing tool, but people start to bring up judgment when people think it's for fun. And I don't think that things being for fun makes them any less important. If, if for me, work is fun, then it makes me want to work so much more, be so much more productive, it improves my well-being. And if you even look on a physiological level from a positive psychologist perspective, if you are being able to have fun, creativity, connection and connection to nature, all of these tools are going to help you and your business and the people who work within the business to increase productivity, all the other things that are that people want from their businesses and people would want from going to mastermind experiences. So for me, it made sense and this context of putting them together. I was given the permission I need was need needing from the plants like I didn't necessarily come up with this myself. And if anything, every time that I've thought, Do you know what, no, this is too complicated. 
this idea has come up to me again and again and my dreams have been so vivid and it's just been like you really need to and so for me it was this idea of of presenting something that's slightly different and trialing it out and and starting this exciting journey of moving it away from not only the healing space which obviously there will be healing and we have a clinical psychologist there for whatever comes up but also allowing it to be a space that's honoring the creative process i'm very excited <laughs> me too i'm i'm so glad that we got to have this conversation today and i i just think it's been such a such a great opportunity to come and talk about something I'm so passionate about. So thank you so much. So since this interview, I've also been doing a lot more research into the world of psychedelics. And I definitely recommend How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. If you want to have an insight into the neuroscience behind all of this. And on top of that, I'm going to put in the accompanying blog post a lot of links that you can check out if you want to learn more about the science of psychedelics. Now, after hearing this again, you might be tempted to go and get hold of some magic mushrooms. Remember that it's not legal unless you're in the Netherlands and you can get hold of the truffles, which are the psilocybin mushrooms in a kind of truffle form, and you can buy those in shops there. But do make sure that you find out a lot about not just the substance you're taking, but any possible contraindications that you might have. So for example, if you're on any antidepressant or antipsychotic medication that could interact badly with psychedelics or with MDMA. So really make sure that you look this up. And while it can be quite hard to get true objective information about these things, from just searching on Google. I found that if you add the word forum into your search, you're gonna find message boards and forums where a lot of people are having much more frank conversations about their use of drugs. But again, be really careful because you're going to find people on there who you know, might advise you to do something that isn't the best idea for your health or safety. So always find a trusted source, always do your research, and be safe. <laughs> anyway, I'd love to hear from you. Do you have experience with psychedelics? What are your thoughts on the potential future uses of psychedelics for mental health or for changing humanity's perception? Do you think it's ethical for coaches and therapists to get involved into this area or should we leave it well alone? Connect with me at The Way We Connect on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or come to thewaywheconnect.org. I'm Gwyneth Jones, and this is The Way We Connect. <laughs>